Who listens to futureprimitive.org? Joanna Harcourt Smith here on a beautiful Santa Fe morning, sitting with someone I like very, very much. And it is poet, teacher, and author Natalie Goldberg. Natalie Goldberg is indeed a poet and a teacher and the author of 11 books including her classic, Writing Down the Bones, which has sold more than a million and a half copies and has been translated into 14 languages. Wild Mind, Long Quiet Highway, Living Color, and The Great Failure are some of her other books. She has taught writing seminars for 30 years, to people from around the world and lives now in northern New Mexico. Well, Natalie, I want to be right here, right now with you. So, speak to me a little bit about today, right now. Today, I woke up early and watered an iris that's about to burst open. It's late April, and I'm really excited about it. I've been watching it and circling it, so I watered it. And then I came to my studio and met with my friend Henry Shookman, who um, just finished a really sensational novel, and he's trying to figure out how to work with his agent to sell it. So we had a little conference about it. And now I'm meeting with you, and I just got home a few weeks ago from being on book tour, from my last book, Old Friend from Far Away, The Practice of Writing Memoir. So would you like to speak a little bit about the experience of writing this last book that was published, Old Friend from Far Away? Yeah, I would actually, because I realized I just went on the tour for the paperback, and a year ago I went on tour for the hardback, Uh and I felt a little naked when I went on tour for the hardback, and um, I wouldn't have said something that I said for the paperback. When I read aloud from it, because I hadn't looked at it in a year, I realized the book is really good. (laughs) It really makes me want to write. Even me, I want to write. And I said to them, you know how I wrote this? I had just broken up an 11-year relationship, Uh and I was heartbroken. And I was amazed that in the middle of being heartbroken, if you asked me about that time, I was very unhappy. If you read this book, it's totally alive and happy and positive and full of energy. And I remembered writing it. I couldn't sit still. So I would put my notebook in the back of my backpack and hike in the mountains. And I think that breathing deeply when you go up steep mountain um, inclines, I think it just 
freed me in some way. And then I'd sit under a tree and write. Wow. And but I also remembered that Colette, you know, Colette, the great French writer, her last husband was Maurice, who was 15 years younger than her yes. and was a Jew. Yeah. And you know something interesting? When he was in high school, he came home one day from high school and he said to his mother, "We read Colette today in school." And the mother said, "Oh, great." And he said, "I'm going to marry her someday." Wow. And they did end up marrying and um he was a Jew and it was World War 2 mm-hmm. and he was taken into the camps. Yes. And she was so well known that she went to the authorities and said, "I want, you know, get him out." Sure. And they said, "We'll see what we could do." And she sat by her front window waiting for him. And while she waited, she wrote Gigi. And, you know, Gigi is this very light, delightful, you know, um, book. And, you know, which now Maurice Chevalier. Yes. Yeah. So I thought about that, that in the middle of agony, we're much larger than we think we are. And while we are paying attention to the suffering, other things also bloom in us. Oh, that's beautiful. So she's waiting for her husband to be returned from the camps, and she writes Gigi. By the way, he did get, they did get him did out. They did release him. Yeah, they yeah. did release him. Yeah. So, so that's very beautiful, Natalie, and um, I would love it, actually, since uh, you're coming out of that experience, or this last book came out of that experience. I would love it if you would talk a little bit more about... Um, I've noticed in my friendship with you that no matter what, you keep writing. And yes. so uh, it seems really important to me to give give some of this to the people who have uh, difficult events in their lives and who perhaps stop writing. What is it that keeps you Well, writing? it's practice. And a practice, I don't see writing, I see writing as a practice. And a practice is something you do under all circumstances. It doesn't matter how you feel personally. You still show up. Like running, you know, when people jog. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, hopefully they keep jogging even if they're going through a divorce or whatever. And that's how it is for me with writing. Under all circumstances, you continue. I've always said that, but it really showed up for me, an old friend, that, you know... I was, even though I wasn't conscious of it, I was able to touch another part of myself. And that's what's wonderful about practice. It doesn't pay attention to your individual ups and downs. Yeah. It's sort of an even chord that goes through your life. Right. And reveals something very different. Right. Like you brush your teeth. Yes. And you brush your hair. Exactly. And you cut your toenails. Exactly. Right. Yes. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it. So if you go through a divorce, you do not brush your teeth for three years. Yeah. Brushing your teeth is a practice. It's a practice. Yeah. Yeah. That you have to do whether you want to or not, whether you like it or not. Well, in my view, you've done something for millions of people who are like me, who, well, the the way I want to formulate the question is... uh, you helped many writers bring void into form. 
the way I see it is uh, I get lost in the ocean of, of writing. And then my crampon, the way I can scale the mountain, is the Natalie Goldberg. I can only do it for 10 minutes. I can do it. I can do it. Yeah. Forget about the ocean. Yeah. And stick your foot in. You know. <laughs> you know, I put on your bathing suit and put your toe in the ocean. And and not picking your hand up from the page is not going into your mind and going, "Oh, oh, it's cold. It's cold. It's hot. It's cold." Yes, you, or you can go your mind might go, "It's hot. It's cold." But at the same time your hand is moving across the page and you're practicing. Go 10 minutes. You could do 10 minutes. Anybody can do 10 minutes. Do you still do 10-minute writing? I do them, uh, yeah. I, actually, what I do is I say I have to fill two sides of two pages, and that's about a 20-minute writing. And then I know I've kind of pushed through. And But I do lots of 10-minute writings in my workshops when I teach. Um, I do them with the students. I always model what they're doing. And really, it's how I learned to write, was working with my students. Well, you say that writing wakes up love. And I'd love you to talk about that. Did I say that? <laughs> uh, yeah, you did. Oh, writing wakes up love. Writing brings about love. Oh, yeah, because you have a tenderness for your life, for your very human life. You know, you usually are blind and eat toast in the morning. But when you write about it, suddenly you hold it. You really notice it. And, you know, the miracle that someday you won't be eating toast in the morning. So enjoy that toast. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, I write something and then I forget that I say it. Yes, but it definitely brings love. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. I feel it. If I write a piece that I like and someone else likes, I feel enormous love for myself. Yes. And oh, yeah. It also closes the gap between your monkey mind, who you think you are, I hate myself, I'm stupid, and who you really are. Because on the page, you, there's a point, you know, if you keep your hand going, you have a chance to see who you really are. And so it closes the gap between who you think you are and who you really are. And it brings you to a place of zero. And what zero is, is really just being here. You see, one of the things that touches me a lot about you is um, that you're really, you really pay attention to the power of details. And you pass that on to other people. Mm -hmm. And that's so precious, and I'd love you to talk about that. Well, the truth is there is nothing but detail. You know, we don't, we're going to die in a definite place, at a definite time, in a definite way. We don't even dream in the abstract. The dreams are, there's specific things happening. The life is detail. You know, and what happens is we're trained in school to abstract and move further and further away from what is. But what is, is detail. You know, I'm sitting here with my knee crossed, I'm in brown pants, and an old cotton sweater, black shoes. 
Of course, you have a fancier outfit on, and you look beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Look, where'd you get those gorgeous black oh, boots? Oh, my goodness. These were really, really a splurge. I mean... I could tell they're beautiful. It was the one pair of shoes I didn't need. <clears throat> and when I got done with the guilt, I um, started to enjoy them. Oh, they're just beautiful. You, you always dress beautifully. But those details tell a lot about, you know, if someone came and looked at us, they would, by looking at us and those details, they would know things. And then the detail of me saying and talking and, you know, you having your hand and your, and your, your elbow on the couch and your hand in your head. It's all part of what makes up human life. I just think there's such tenderness in detail. Yes, yeah. Mies van der Rohe said... God hides in the details. Right. And um, Nabokov said, uh, caress the divine details. I mean, that's how important they are, divine. They're all there is. But we, I don't know why we think something else is going on. Look at the big picture. Well, the big picture is made up of details moment by moment. If you get in the moment, the big picture is completely there. The interconnectedness of all things, of all details. Of all details. Yeah. Well, Natalie, you're also a painter. Yes, I am. And uh, would you like to talk about your book of paintings and also, again, painting in regard to detail? Um, Well... I don't know. I I paint and I use the same rules I do for writing. Practice, go, don't think. Uh, What color flashes in your mind, grab it. And, uh, you know, oh, no, I can't make the sky red. The sky isn't red. I just, you know, accept things. But often, if I'm writing well, I'll use the same pen. I'm very practical and utilitarian. I'll draw in the cafe that I wrote well in. And I'll just look and I'll draw the details. And, it's ma- and in drawing them, it's made me much more, more aware of detail because I really have to notice how that leg of that table looks in order to draw. So I draw a detail and then I color them in. This is an extraordinary thing because recently I reread The Doors of Perception uh-huh. uh, by Aldous Huxley. And I noticed that what he talks about is detail. Like he spends uh, three pages speaking about being on mescaline and speaking about the pleats of his pants. Oh, wow. And it's remarkably beautiful. Uh huh. So um, there's a very similar situation there. I find that sometimes um, the way I call up awe, I... Uh, call up awe, A-W-E. A-W-E. I learned from you. Really? I will stop and in that moment I will notice every detail of that moment and I will tell it to myself. Oh. And it's a form of meditation. It's a real meditation and a form of love. Really, you know, just anything to get us right here. Um, When I teach my meditation students, um, I teach retreats of um, 
sit, walk, write in silence. Mm -hmm. And when they're sitting, I say, I encourage them in the middle of the sitting, I say, don't give up on what's here. Uh, The love you want is no other place. Mm -hmm. And it's true. It's just when you're really present, it's all here. All the love you need. But of course we forget that, including me, you know, including me. What about loneliness? Would you speak about... Yeah, loneliness, boy. Because I was thinking, if you notice everything, can can you feel loneliness? Probably not, but I'm not always, lo- I'm not always noticing everything. And certainly loneliness, I have very, very deep loneliness, is kind of my black dog. Mm-hmm. And actually, loneliness from my childhood, I think it's why writers write is out of that loneliness, you have a desire to reach out and communicate and connect. So the loneliness isn't bad. It's don't let it drive your life mm-hmm. so that you're running away from it. Mm-hmm. But instead, sit in it and allow that to inform your next movement. But um, one of the reasons I practiced Zen was that my Zen teacher, Katagiri Roshi, could speak to loneliness. I'm, I'm culturally a Jewish person, and um, my family and Jews I know, they didn't, you know, you always had to be with people, and you know, had to constantly be with people. Do you have friends? Do you have family? And they would never speak to loneliness, and yet I was so deeply lonely, and I needed someone who could speak to it. And I think most writers have a good measure of loneliness in their lives. And actually, I go through periods sometimes where I'm happy and I'm not lonely, but I know I have to come back to it to keep me kosher, you know, to keep me genuine and on the earth. So loneliness, I guess, is like anything else. You know, it's just a, a human condition that everyone has. And actually, when I teach writing workshops, at some point I'll say to the students, you know, we're all having fun and we feel really close, but if some of you feel lonely now, it's okay. And they feel this great relief. I said, because it's part of things. Mm. Don't worry. Yeah. We're all going to experience it. And you're not crazy. What a relief. Yeah. 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 Natalie Goldberg, do you see yourself as an authentic human being? I don't really think that way. You know, I don't put those labels on myself. I try to be real, yeah. you know, I try to be real, and sometimes I'm just stupid, you know, and sometimes I'm, what I think might be genuine is, Nat, shut up, just shut up. <laughs> you know, I might delve too deeply, I might be um, not as courteous as I should be, I might be too blunt, you know, and I think that's being genuine, but it's not really being awake to the whole situation. I'm just being a New Yorker. Yeah. You know, I yeah. think I'm in Manhattan. Yeah. It gives me a chance because people are always saying to me, oh, I, I like your accent, or where's your accent from? And I'll say to you, I like your accent. Yeah. 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 So tell me, um, why do people write, want so much to write about their lives? I think people want to write about their lives because they want to know who they are. And this is a way to discover it. We long for an intimacy with ourselves. And really, writing 
is a natural human activity that should be available to everyone. And one of the most terrible things in the South during slavery, mm -hmm. they didn't allow um, African Americans to read or write. That tells you something. They took away their humanity. Wow. And that was the worst thing for me when I heard that, you know, that they could not read or write. Yes. You know, because those are natural, sort of God-given things that, that human beings can do. And I feel it should have been in the um, Declaration of Independence. The right to life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, dash, and writing. <laughs> That's wonderful. Because think about it. Clouds don't write, horses don't write, cars don't write. It's a uniquely human activity, and we all long to do it. Yes, we do. Yeah, no, we really do. And it's very healthy, because you get to know yourself and your own mind. It's very important. And um, you shine a light on that. All the time. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, it's sort of my life's work. It is. Yeah. And I love it. So I'm going to ask you, uh, you often teach, and so I want to ask you about your feelings about teaching and your feelings about the people you teach and what is the atmosphere of that experience for you personally? I deeply love to teach. And um, I'm not happy if I'm not teaching. For You know, there are periods where I don't teach and I'm just writing. But I want to share my experience of writing. Not just, you know, reading what I wrote, but I want to share what that experience is. And I think teaching is one of the finest things a human being can do to give to society. Think about it. You know, if you had a great teacher, they changed your life. Sure. You love them forever. Yes. And um, I, so I love to teach. I do week-long workshops at the Mabel Dodge House in Taos. And then I, I teach nationally, and I'm teaching locally right now. Which actually, I'm sorry, you're probably not on my email list, so you didn't know about it. Oh, wow. It might have been fun for you to come on Tuesday night. Oh, I'm so devastated that I missed it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Will you do that again? I think I'll do it again. I need eight weeks in a row where I'm in town, and I'm not always oh. eight weeks in a row in town. But I'm loving it so much that I'm going to try to make the space. Oh. I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. But I, I just think teaching, I just love it. I can't say enough. And I have students all over the country. And, I, you know, I'm very tough with them, my students who study with me. And I don't give them much love. Because, I, I mean, I give love in my teaching, but I don't give any individual juice. Uh -huh. Because I say to them, look over your shoulder. No one gives a shit whether you write or not. It has to come from you. So I'm trying to build strong spines. But when I went on my hardback tour a year ago and my students showed up, I realized the depth of my love for them. And, you know, you say, Natalie, but you've been teaching 35 years and you didn't know it before that. I held on the, t on the edge of sternness because I so much wanted them to learn, practice, and not be dependent on me. 
but now I guess I've gotten softer as I get older. <laughs> and I actually said it to my students to a I'm I'm doing an intensive now up in Taos where they commit for a year oh, really? with me and we meet every season. And uh I said to them, the truth is I deeply love all of you. And they all looked down as people started crying mm. and people blushed and you know, because we all knew it, but no one ever said it. Mm-hmm. So I said, but that does not mean that I won't be tough with you. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that um, it's easier for us to love, I mean, to learn through love? Well, you know, I'm not going to say that, no. I think we learn through everything. And actually, a lot of us don't get a lot of love in our childhood, Damn and right. we, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's maybe that longing for love that teaches us, but not quite the love. It makes it easy to, lo- you know, learn, but not always. Not always. Sometimes I learn a lot because I don't get love. Right. Yeah. So, Old Friend from Far Away is your 12th published book? Is my 11th published book. It's your book. 11th published book. Yes. And so I wanted to ask you, how does it feel to be a writer? It feels real nice. (laughs) You know, it doesn't, you know, it's my life. This is what I do. And I'm always trying to get out of it. Oh, you you are? Oh, sure. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I have to write another book. I'm alone. It's, yeah, it's a lot of work. And it's hard work. And I have to constantly face myself. And sometimes, you know, when I'm like in a store and I see sales girl wanted or uh, cook wanted, I'm always <laughs> thinking, oh, why don't you just get a job? It sounds like so much fun. You have a place to go every day. They expect you there. There's someone notices whether you show up or not. You get to do something that's not writing, not delving into yourself. And so every book I write, I always say, Nat. When you finish this book, if you're a good girl and finish this book, you don't have to write any more books. And then, of course, another idea comes and I want to write it. Or sometimes I'll give myself time off. And, but what I notice is I'm not as sane when I'm not writing. Oh, so really? it's almost like I have to come back to it to stay sane. I feel the most whole when I'm writing. But How yeah, we that? always try to that? sneak out. You know what I mean? Yeah, Nobody wants to work. How is that? How is that that you feel the most sane when you When writing? I feel sane, I just feel so ordinary when I'm really writing. I just feel on the ground and moment by moment life. Not big, not little, just kind of ordinary. I've done my work for the day. Like someone else shovels cement. I've done my work for the day. Yeah. And it yeah. just grounds me. Or makes a stew. Yeah. No, it doesn't even make me stew. Oh, make a stew. Make a stew. Yes, making a stew. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you made a good stew. Yes, exactly. You're just doing your job. You're cooking. Yeah. You're providing food. That's right. For the world. Yeah. Yeah. This is good. Now, do you have any projects in preparation? Yes, I have three. Three? One is with Miriam Sagan, the poet. We're writing a book called Doodling Hearts. The Work of Love, or the other subtitle is um, Using Writing Practice to Explore Love. Mm. So we're working on that together. I'm also writing a memoir of my mother, 
Amazing. But, you know, when you write a memoir of your mother, it can't just be about your mother. It has to have a bigger scope. And I don't know what the bigger scope is yet. And then I'm also putting together a collection of my essays, which have been published in magazines around the country. That are, It's mostly about writing and zen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going to bring this conversation around. Okay. And uh, I want to ask you if there's something you'd like to say in closing. Just that, Joanna, the day, the memorial, the year memorial, December 24th of my mother's death, nothing was as wonderful as you leaving a roasted chicken at my door. It was the most beautiful thing I think anyone has ever done. And I think it revealed the depth of your heart. Because we hadn't seen each other in a long time, and we saw each other once uh, several weeks before. Mm -hmm. You remembered December 24th, Mm -hmm. and you knew... A, chick, a roasted chicken is what it is to be Jewish. <laughs> you know, my grandparents owned a poultry market, wow. and they hand-killed fresh chickens for people for the Sabbath, and they would pick them up fresh. So it had a whole association for me. And nobody I have told that you did that didn't just almost fall to their knees. So it's so wonderful to have you back in Santa Fe and to have you back in my life. You're a beautiful human being. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you with all my heart. Yeah. And it's how it was. I mean, three days before, you know, it's like the little prince going to see the fox. Uh-huh. Three days before, I began thinking about the chicken, oh. the roast chicken. And then I got excited. And then finally I got up to the window of bumblebees uh-huh. and I ordered the chicken and my and my happiness increased oh. you know? <laughs> it's wonderful thank you so much Natalie thank for you. This, this sweet sweet conversation yeah it's wonderful thank you